listening to the Heartland Author Podcast. I am Aaron Apollo Camp. For this episode, I had the honor of interviewing Mats Friedman. Mats is the son of Holocaust survivors and the author of the nonfiction book Painful Joy, a Holocaust Family Memoir, which is about Mats's parents. I'm here with Mats Friedman, who is the author of Painful Joy, a Holocaust Family Memoir. Mats, welcome to the Heartland Author Podcast. Thanks. Good to be here. Now, feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Uh, I'm 72 years old. I can't believe it myself. Uh, and uh, I wrote this book about, uh, I started writing it about six or seven years ago, and it took about five or six years to actually write and research. Uh, I was born in Sweden, and that's part of the story. And uh, and I've been writing uh, my entire uh, professional life and various uh, aspects uh, of it, working for corporations, doing freelance book reviewing, including uh, a bunch of years for the Chicago Tri uh, Tribune. Uh, and. Uh, I decided uh, at one point for a variety of reasons that I wanted to know more about uh, my past and uh, I had avoided it for most of my life uh, again for reasons that I guess we'll get into uh, during this interview and I decided it was time for various other reasons to figure out where I came from who my parents were what their stories were and how that affected me now, is the photo that forms part of the book cover of Painful Joy a photo of your parents? Yeah, that, that's a picture taken uh, in Sweden, in, uh, in either Malmö or Halmstad, both uh, towns on the west coast of Sweden. Um, I believe probably before they were married. Uh, so it was taken uh, probably in sometime in 1946. Now, without spoiling too much of your book, what is Painful Joy about? Well, at the end of the day, uh, it's about surviving and the effects of survival uh, um, of a traumatic events, to say the least, uh, uh, on them and on generations that followed. My parents were Holocaust survivors. They met after the war, after being in concentration camps and ghettos and slave labor camps for five or six years. Uh, and they both lost their first families. My father had a wife and two children. My mother had a husband. They both had many brothers and sisters and parents and everybody else, all were murdered during the war. And this is the story of how I found out who they were, because for the most part, they wouldn't talk about their past in any respect with uh, my sister or with me. Uh, they met after the war in a aliens camp, as it was called, in Sweden, after their liberation from Bergen-Belsen. And uh, we were born there and then emigrated to the United States afterwards. And this is what happened to them uh, from the time that they were, when they were born uh, through the Holocaust years and then the effects of what happened to them on my sister and me and, and even the rest of their lives. 
Now, how emotionally difficult was it for you to research the history of your family? Yeah, it, it, it was very difficult. I mean, I think one of the reasons why I avoided it uh, was that it was emotionally difficult for me, and to try to talk to them about it while they were alive was also very difficult for them. My father spoke about his past, including the war years, but any other part of his past, for just 20 minutes of his life with me when I was 20 years old. Uh, and uh, we, my sister and I decided it was too painful for them to talk about it, so we wouldn't, and so therefore we wouldn't know anything. And the journey to Poland, to Germany, to Israel, to Sweden that uh, my wife and I took to help research the book uh, was a difficult one. It was going into the past, it was going to concentration camps, it was meeting people uh, not who, one, one person who actually knew them uh, uh, in, the, in the 1940s. Uh, and, and going to places that brought back memories, not for me, but uh, for what uh, they had endured. And, and so it was a very difficult book. And uh, as my publisher said to me when I said, why, why didn't I have too many sales this week? She said, it's not a beach read. So it's not a beach read. Now, the publisher of your book is an entity called Amsterdam Publishers. Is Amsterdam Publishers a vanity press, a small traditional publisher, or an imprint of a major traditional publisher? No, it's a small independent publisher. Uh, it is located, uh, the, the woman who started it is uh, in, in, uh, in the Netherlands. And uh, she, about 10 years ago, decided that uh, it was important to tell these stories about the Holocaust and that it wasn't happening as much as she thought. So she sort of opened up the, the publishing house to try to do that primarily. And, and uh, so she... Uh, takes about 10% of the manuscripts that are submitted and, uh, and is a regular publisher. I mean, it's, uh, it's the book is available on Amazon and, and, it's, uh, and it was edited professionally and uh, designed professionally. And uh, yeah, it, she has about 80 or 90 books uh, uh, in print right now. If there's one thing that you hope that readers take away from Painful Joy, what is that? I think it's a greater sense of empathy about what people endure and manage to survive through, uh, but also about the effects that it has on them and on their families. So I, I wanted to introduce two strangers, uh, and it becomes sort of a journey of me and the reader connecting with these two individuals, learning who they are, their, 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 their upbringing, their past, the world around them at the time that they were growing up, uh, the challenges they faced, and then uh, the horrible things that happened to them and to their families, and to go away from that with a better sense of what do people do to survive and how do you survive, and 
what happens when you survive? What, what, what are the side effects of survival? Uh, and, and feel for them, feel for people like them who go through uh, existential challenges and come out the other side. Now, do you plan on writing another book or more books? I don't know. Uh, the, a thought occurred to me, which was uh, this is a book that is both heartbreaking and heartwarming in, in, in some respects. At least that's what people have told me and have written in comments on Amazon. Uh, and uh, it occurred to me that perhaps it would be an interesting idea to take a fictional version of this story and see what happens to two similar people as my parents, but to have a happy ending, in a sense. So it, it would be a fictional book of following them, taking the path that they might have taken if their first families survived with them. And that, that's sort of a dim hope of what I'd like to try to do if I could manage now, your first book was published uh, after your 70th birthday. What advice do you have for people who are older than your typical debut author who's, author who's some, maybe someone like in their teens, their 20s, their 30s, uh, but want to write books, but they view themselves as too old to become a first like someone in like their 50s or older? Right. I think everybody has stories inside of them. We all do. Uh, some of them perhaps we don't want to share or can't share or we don't feel that we have the sort of technical stills to do it or, or even know where to begin. But, but uh, I think if you're just writing, just for yourself, it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to put down on paper for your own family uh, what the past was like if you're going to do this kind of book. Uh, so I, I, I think it, it actually is an exciting adventure. And I think I, anybody who has the time and energy and has even the slightest inclination should, should start just jotting things down and talking into a tape recorder. And I think their families, if they're doing this kind of book, would appreciate it. And I think it would give their brains quite an exercise. Now, many years ago, you worked for the uh, New York City PBS affiliate uh, WNET, which is Channel 13 in New York City, although the station is technically licensed in Newark, New Jersey, but uh, their studios and transmitter are in New York City. And you were a publicist for WNET. What type of work did that involve? And what was it like to work for a, mar a large market PBS station? Yeah, it, it was very exciting. I was there for about five years. Uh, I worked for Dick Cavett uh, for, uh, and for Bill Moyers. Uh, he had moved from commercial television to public television, and I was his publicist. And... And it was very exciting. It, it was uh, an enjoyable experience to sort of be on set. Uh, we uh, once went to interview to do a live broadcast from the Rose Garden and the Oval Office with Jimmy Carter when he was president. And, and uh, I remember uh, sitting in uh, the president's uh, sitting in the Oval Office at the president's desk as they were uh, 
the the technicians were there uh, setting up the shots and uh, and Jimmy Carter coming in and sort of giving me a, a look like what am I doing there and then I'm I'm calling my wife saying guess where I'm sitting and then I did the same thing going into the cabinet room it was just sort of an exciting uh, journey uh, to be at a, a very large station doing I think very important work in terms of communicating what the world was like at that time. Now you didn't smoke marijuana in the Oval Office, did you? <laughs> no, no, no. No, because no, it, uh, I I had read or watched on television somewhere that uh, Jimmy Carter would sometimes have musicians that uh, uh, would uh, would smoke weed in the White House. Right. Well, you know, it was a very different place. I mean, I now now. You, we all know how security conscious uh, things are now and how everybody is sort of terrified about everything and, and how many security checks uh, take place if you were to go to a place like, like the White House or certainly the Oval Office. And in those days, it was actually quite different. I and mean, you walked in through the West Wing, uh, through the press entrance. Uh, when we were setting up uh, for the interview, uh, we had a staff photographer there, and he brought a big suitcase of lenses and all this other stuff. And a Secret Service guy came over to him in, in the Oval Office again and just said, how long have you had this, this, this suitcase with you? And he said, you know, I, this is what I use. Has it been in your possession uh, all day today and yesterday? Oh, yeah, for sure. It said, and and you when you open it and look at it, there's nothing amiss. No, there isn't. Great, that was the security check. Well, Matt's uh, that was my final question, and I thank you for appearing on the Heartland Author Podcast. Sure, my pleasure. Take care. If anyone tells you that you're too old to write your first book, you're never too old to write your first book. This is Aaron Apollo Camp reminding y'all to write your imagination. Bye for now. You can learn more about me and my book writing projects at camparenapollo.witsite.com forward slash author AAC. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at author AAC and on Instagram at AAC Scribe. Copyright 2023, Aaron Apollo Camp, all rights reserved. This podcast episode is intended for the private listening of our audience. Any reuse or retransmission of this podcast episode without the express written consent of the podcast host is prohibited, except under fair use guidelines. Royalty-free music and sound effects obtained from https colon forward slash forward slash www.zapsplat.com.